First John chapter three, verse two. Uh, last week, I started uh, sharing with you some uh, teaching with regards to a very important uh, area of doctrine in our Christian walk. We call that by the big word sanctification, uh, which uh, simply speaks of the holiness of people. And uh, we're going to be looking at that for a couple of weeks. Last week, we, we looked at the word sanctification with the idea of just trying to identify what it meant and what is sanctification. We talked about sanctification being something that speaks of an instant in our past when we got saved and God set us apart from sin unto himself. And positionally, at that moment, the righteousness of Jesus Christ was applied to our life. And positionally, we were holy with the image of Christ, sanctified in his image for his glory. But we weren't necessarily living a really sanctified life in our day-to-day lives. So we entered into a... A, uh, a phase of life that is called progressive sanctification, or it's the, the process whereby the Spirit of God brings our living into sync with our position. Positionally, I am sanctified, but practically, I'm far from sanctified. So the Spirit of God begins to work to progressively bring my Actions, my behavior, my choices, my lifestyle into sync with the position I have as a holy son of God, sanctified, separated from the world, holy in my position with Christ. And we look forward to the day when that work of the Holy Spirit will be completed. And the Bible speaks of a future or a glorious future sanctification, where when I'm brought into the presence of Christ, the work of progressive sanctification will be completed, and at that moment, I will be like Christ in my, in my behavior, as well as in my position, and I will have the mind of Christ, and I will be holy in every regard, as I am glorified and made just like Christ. And we talk about that as a future event of future sanctification. Now, having identified what sanctification is, we then, uh, I now want to zero in on this work of sanctification in our lives. How does sanctification happen? We mentioned last week that sanctification is intricately related to the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. You really can't talk about sanctification without talking about what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because sanctification is the work of the Spirit of God. We saw last week that He is the agent in our past sanctification. He's the agent in our present progressive sanctification. He'll be the agent in our future glorious sanctification. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is in the work of sanctifying us. That makes sense because sanctify means holy. Holiness. Sanctification is holiness. He is the Holy Spirit. So it's just fitting that the Holy Spirit be the one who is focused on our being made holy. That's his work. He is the agent in that. We noted last week that the Holy Spirit indwelt our body at salvation. That's through the residency. The Holy Spirit takes control of our lives at strategic times as we're filled with the Spirit of God. 
that has to do with empowering us for service. And then we noted that sanctification has to do with our holiness or our Christ-likeness in our living. And so we're talking this evening about how does the Holy Spirit, day by day, little by little, make me holy. So that as I progress in my Christian life, I am more like Christ today than I was a year ago. I am holier. I am more sanctified. I am more Christ-like because the Holy Spirit has spent 52 weeks working on my sanctification in this last year. So the net result should be that I am more sanctified now than what I was a year ago. If I am cooperating and the Holy Spirit is successful in the progressive sanctifying of my life. So we're looking this evening at this process of sanctification or how does this happen. I noted uh, in your little, uh, at the, toward the top of your little worksheet, the meaning of sanctification means to become like Christ. The process of sanctification we're going to see this evening, we mentioned this last week, we're going to see it a little bit more clearer this evening. The process of progressive sanctification has to do with me seeing Christ as he is. And as I see Christ as he is, I am gradually transformed into his image. The less I see Christ, the less am I sanctified into his image. The more I see Christ, the more I'm sanctified into his image. The key to the process of sanctification is the degree to which I see Christ every day. And without seeing Christ, then I don't progress in my Christian life. Okay, we want to we kind of focus a little bit in this process of sanctification of how this happens. I ask you to turn to 1 John 3, 2. We read this scripture last week. I want to read it again and take note of it. It, it, is, it speaks of the dynamic of sanctification. This, in a short portion of scripture, uh, uh, identifies what this sanctification is that the Holy Spirit is wanting to accomplish. So let's look at it again. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, Behold... What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I was thinking about that again this afternoon in light of the, the guy that Jesus met in the morning message. The ideal poster child of the perfect seeker. And how the Bible says that as Jesus beheld him, he loved him. Everything in the communication that Jesus had with that man that day that is recorded in three passages of, of our Bible, everything that happened in the interaction between Jesus and that man was because he loved him. Jesus wanted to save that man from his sin. Jesus, everything he said to him, everything he did in relationship with him, was because of how much he loved that man. And he wanted to bring that man to himself. But you can't bring someone to Christ who thinks they're almost good enough on their own. And if they could just tweak a little bit more, they could get over the top and they would be perfect because of all of their religion and self-righteousness. And Jesus looked at him. Jesus loved him 
And so Jesus told him the most bizarre thing. He said, if you want to be perfect, sell everything you've got. Give it all away and come and follow me. Because this was a man who professed to be good enough to almost make it into heaven. I was talking to those Mormon leaders a few years ago. We went out to lunch after that series of messages on Mormonism on Sunday nights where the pastors and elders of the Mormon church came and listened here in the auditorium to those messages. And at the end of it, we went out to lunch and spent about three hours together. At the end of that conversation, uh, or during that conversation, uh, I asked them, uh, how can you say you believe in salvation by grace and then put all of these rules and all of these things that people have to do in order to be saved and then turn around and say you don't believe it's works, you believe it's grace. And they said, what we believe is that as a Mormon, you've got to be baptized in the Mormon church. You've got to um, follow Mormon theology. You've got to do everything the Mormon church tells you to do. You've got to do all of these things. And if it's not quite enough to push you over the edge, Jesus died for you. And God, by grace, will push you over the edge. It's all works plus a little bit of Jesus to get you over the edge. And Jesus looked at that man that day who had, who had done such a good job his whole life to be good and religious. And what one thing do I lack? What lack I yet? And Jesus didn't say, well, we'll just push you over the edge by adding this one little component that's not there. Jesus went right back to the core. Because there was one predominant sin in that man's life that he could not say that I've kept this law my entire life. And that is the law thou shalt not covet. So Jesus went for the jugular vein and said, if you can keep this law. And the man walked away sorrowful because he was very rich and loved every bit of it. And was not about to give up his wealth. In order to be perfect in the sight of God. Jesus loved that man. And wanted to reach that man. But in order to reach that man with grace. He had to slay him with the law. And the law had to leave him in utter despair. That he would fully embrace the grace of God in his life. Love motivates people to share truth, even when truth is hard and it hurts. The Bible says here, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. That's interesting. It doesn't appear yet what I'm going to be when I get to heaven. What would a perfect Mike Elstock look like? Whoa, would that be something? That's not even visible. It does not yet appear what I'm going to be like when God gets done working on me. When God fixes all the myriad of problems that are wrong in me. When God molds me into the image of Jesus Christ and I stand fully and wholly sanctified in my present life 
as well as in my position in Christ. It does not yet appear what we shall be. I, that's, that's a dream. Uh, that's my wife's dream of dreams. Oh, that my gal's dog would be sanctified. And it doesn't even appear yet what that might look like. It does not yet appear what we're going to be like. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to be perfect? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the Holy Spirit is finished sanctifying you? And you think just like Jesus. You feel just like Jesus feels about things. You love what God loves. You hate what God hates. You think about every issue exactly the way Jesus thinks of every issue. You will be wholly and fully sanctified. It does not appear. We can't even envision. We can't even dream of what that would be like. I'll tell you what I do know. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Wow. I can't even imagine. It doesn't appear in my mind's imagination what it's going to be like to be perfect. To not have any flaw in my character. To have every sin remedied. To be perfect and holy. I can't even imagine that. But I'll tell you what I, what I do know. I do know that when Jesus Christ appears, I'm going to be just like him. And the Holy Spirit is going to complete the progressive work of sanctifying my life in an instant when Jesus Christ appears. Now, how is it that that's going to happen? Well, our text says in the middle of verse number two, or toward the end of verse number two, actually, for uh, we, we shall be like him for. So here we have an explanation. Here we have a because. I'm going to be like him because something's going to happen that's never happened before. For we shall see him as he is. When I see him in the fullness of who he is, when I see him as I've never seen him before, looking in the mirror of the word of God, in that mirror we described last Sunday night as being a polished metal that you, you couldn't quite see the details in. When I see him in all of his perfections, exactly the way he is, for when, for when, for we, we shall see him like, for we shall see him as he is. And what is he like? Verse 3 tells us, even as he is pure. Pure. No sin. No fault. No error. Nothing misconstrued. Transparent. Jesus Christ is pure. And when I see him in all of his purity, for the first time in my life, all of the work the Holy Spirit has been doing to sanctify me and make me like Christ will immediately be completed. And I will be just like Jesus Christ because I'll see him as he is in all of his purity. This is the dynamic of sanctification. Sanctification depends on our ability to see Christ. And if we never read our Bible, if we never look into the mirror of the Word of God, if we never study 
the mirror of the Word of God, if we never look into its pages to see the image of Jesus Christ reflected from the pages of Scripture, the Holy Spirit does nothing in us. We're the same as we were last year, which is the same as we were the year before. It's almost as I've been saved 20 years. I've lived a one-year Christianity 20 times in a row, and I am the same as I was 20 years ago. I'm no more like Christ today than I was 20 years ago. I've just lived a one-year experience 20 times, but I've not progressed in my Christ-likeness. Because progression in Christ-likeness depends on our ability to see Jesus Christ in the mirror of his word. And the more I see Christ in my study of the Word of God, the more the Spirit of God changes me to become like what I see. I begin to think like He thinks. I begin to care about what He cares about. And my life has changed dramatically because I am seeing Him in His purity little by little, gradually, little by little, becoming like Him. Now, if, if our hope and our prayer and our desire is that one day we're going to be like Christ, if that is impressive to us, if that is something that I say, wow, I am looking forward to the work of the Spirit of God completed in my life and being like Christ. If that's my goal, if that's important to me, if that's something I long for, verse number 3 says, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure, even as Christ is pure. Notice, I want you to notice that God puts the responsibility on us. It's a work of the Spirit of God. But there's got to be a counterpart to what the Spirit of God does that is my effort. He says, if you have this hope, this hope to be just like Jesus Christ, this hope to be sanctified fully in the image of Jesus Christ, if that's your hope, that one day you will be like him, for you shall see him as he is. If that's your hope, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Notice, it doesn't say everyone that hath this hope, the Holy Spirit will purify him. No, he's emphasizing that there's a counterpart to what the Holy Spirit does. As I read and study the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will make the Word of God alive to me. The Holy Spirit will enable me to see things that I've never seen before. The Holy Spirit will speak to my heart about the person of God, the person of Christ. The Holy Spirit will minister the Word of God to me. But I've got to sit down and crack its pages. I've got to sit down and look up some more definitions. I've got to sit down and read and compare Scripture with Scripture. I've got to invest the time and the energy at pouring myself into the Word of God so that the Spirit of God can reflect back to my heart the truths and the principles of the Word of God, whereby the Holy Spirit will change me into the image of Christ. But I must invest my energy to make that happen. I must purify myself, even as he is pure. So we have the dynamic of sanctification uh, given so clearly. There's some other references there, especially the 2 Corinthians 3.18 passage that speaks about the, the going from glory to glory. 
as we look in the mirror of the Word of God, we're changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit's the agent. He changes me incrementally, glory by glory, little by little, incrementally. I'm changed by the Spirit of God into the image of the one that I learn about by reading His pages. So this is the dynamic of sanctification. It's how sanctification happens. So, with that in mind, let me get you to turn back in just a few pages to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. And I want you to see a, a key. This is what I call the short version of the accomplishment of sanctification in my life. In order for sanctification to be accomplished. Now that I understand the dynamic, the dynamic is that I become like Christ. You know, it's, it's, a, family, it's a family thing. 1 John 3, 2 says, Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And even now, are we the sons of God? It's a family matter. We want to grow up and be like our dad. Or grow up and be like our mom. We want to bear the image. We want to bear the look. We want to bear the character of our family. It's a family situation. I'm the child of God. I want to look like God. I want to act like God. I want to be like God. It's a family matter. Sanctification is the Holy Spirit making us like our parentage in the family of God. How is it accomplished? Well, verse uh, chapter 12, Hebrews 12, verse number 14. Here's the short version. The short version says this. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness. The short version is... You need to go after it with all you've got. You see, the word follow, we use the English word follow as kind of a, a low-key word. You know, just kind of a plot along kind of word. I'm, I'm, I'm back here. I'm following you. You know, I, I haven't forgotten. I'm, I'm following you. I'm back here. And it's kind of a plodding along, following behind something. But that's not what the word translated follow. And what follow uh, used to mean, it, it, there was a lot more energy in following than just kind of plodding along after somebody. The word follow is sometimes translated, the Greek word translated follow is sometimes translated persecute. It was a word with a lot of energy behind it. It had the idea of chasing something, pursuing something. In a bad sense, pursuing to overcome and persecute. And so it was sometimes used in certain contexts by translated persecute because of the end goal of pursuing that thing and catching it because I want to destroy it. I want to persecute it. But the word means to pursue energetically. And so when God says to pursue or to follow peace with all men and holiness, of course, holiness is this concept of sanctification. God's saying to you and I, go after it. Chase it. If becoming holy is a matter of seeing Jesus Christ in the pages of Scripture, go after it. Pursue it. Invest the energy, the time, the resources. What do you need to be able to see Christ more clearly in the Word of God? Go after it. So that you can see Christ day by day, week by week. More clearly than you've ever seen him before. And as you see him, 
the Holy Spirit changes you into a different person. And you become Christ-like. And so the short version here in Hebrews 12, 14 simply says, Pursue it with all the energy you've got. Because without Christ-likeness, no one will ever see Christ. No one will ever be brought into heaven until you have become holy. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit bringing you to that. And if that's your end goal, if that's your game, if that's your, your, what you're dreaming of to become like Christ, then you will be investing the energy. As 1 John 3, 12, uh, 2 says, you will be, or verse 3 says, you will be um, uh, purified yourself. Or as Hebrews chapter 12, you will be pursuing that. Okay, let me introduce you to one last passage of Scripture. This is the work of why Jesus Christ died on the cross. By the way, you, re- you realize, in fact, um, I'm going to go over to First uh, Peter on the back of your little worksheet. And I'm not going to go over all those notes, so don't worry. Don't get scared. I'm going to introduce this amazing passage to you. But... Um, I want you to understand, I'm going to go back to 1 John chapter 3, something that, that is often overlooked. Because we're going to observe the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. And we need to understand why Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. Why Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. Because when we hold the piece of bread and we hold the little cup of the fruit of the vine and we imagine that we're holding little portion of his body and, and we've caught a little bit of his blood and we're, we're imagining that we were there and we've seen this horrendous event of his crucifixion and we see the suffering and what he went through. We need to understand why he did that. And 1 John 3 tells us something that, we, that um, I think is more clear than in a lot of other places. In verse number 8, 1 John 3, 8, the Bible says, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary not to give us a fire escape policy, but to destroy the works of the devil in my life today. That's why the observing of the Lord's Supper was always so um, critically important to believers. Because if they went to observe the Lord's Supper, knowing that they had known sin in their life that they weren't willing to deal with, that they knew of issues in their life that they weren't willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in dealing with, they loved their sin and they didn't want it to be removed from their life, then the Bible says that if you take of the Lord's Supper unworthily, what is unworthily? It means to take of the Lord's Supper without appreciation for what he died to accomplish. If he died to accomplish the removing of sin from my life presently, and I take that piece of bread and I take that cup, and, and I imagine the suffering and the pain that Jesus went through to remove And destroy the works of the devil in my life. And I partake of that. While I'm unwilling. For the spirit of God to remove some area of sin in my life. Then I have partaken of the Lord's Supper unworthily. And God says that's a serious matter. And so God said 
make sure you examine yourself before you partake of the Lord's Supper. So that when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you partake of it with a life that is being lived out in sync with the purpose for which he died. He died to destroy the works of the devil in my life. That's what sanctification is all about. It's the progressive destroying of the works of the devil in my life. And I become more sensitive and more sensitive and more sensitive to the holiness of God the closer I become like Jesus Christ. So things that used to not betray my conscience now betrays my conscience. Things that I used to think were okay Now, all of a sudden, I don't know that God's okay with this because I'm becoming more like him as the spirit of God purifies me and as the Holy Spirit destroys the works of the devil in my life. Now, this process, I call this the long version in first Peter or second Peter. Uh, Let me just introduce it to you and and we're and we'll be uh, we'll be ready for the Lord's table. In 1 Peter chapter 1, there is an amazing passage of Scripture dealing with this process of sanctification, how it's accomplished in my lives. There's, there's a God's part and an our part. And I've, tried to, I've tried to bring that to our attention this evening. There's the work that the Holy Spirit as the agent is destroying the works of the devil. He is conforming me to Christ. He's showing me Christ in the Word of God and changing me from glory to glory. But he doesn't do any of that unless I am purifying myself, unless I am cooperating with what he's doing, unless I am putting energy and pursuing holiness and putting energy behind being holy. Then my energetic pursuit of holiness meets with the Holy Spirit's work as the agent of making me holy. And then both God and We work together to result in progressively holy lives as we march towards heaven. First Peter, second Peter, chapter one brings out that dual part that God does his part. We do our part with the goal of maturing in our Christian faith. You can see it in your little notes. There's God's part in verses one to four. And he, he speaks of what we have obtained. Verse 1, uh, to them that have obtained. Uh, in, uh, in verse number uh, 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us. Uh, in verse number 4, whereby are given unto us. So in verses 1 to 4, there's an emphasis of what God does. God's part in what God brings to the table in order for our lives to be saved from sin. But it's not all God's part. He then turns in verse number five and he said, beside this or along beside what God does, adding to what God has done in your life. Beside this, giving all diligence, add. And then he goes through that long list of what I bring to the table, what I work on, what I add Beside what God has done. So that it's a partnership. Holiness is a partnership of God doing his part, me doing my part, and the Holy Spirit enabling a transformation of life where I am changed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so all of this, you'll notice in verse number four, has to do with the divine nature. 
Becoming like Christ. Christ-likeness. Having the nature of God in my life and experience. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is how I escape the corruption of my culture. And I become like Christ. I, be, I begin to partake not just in, in receiving the divine nature, but being a partner in the divine nature. A partaker speaks of a partnership. It, the word koinonia means a joint participation in a common goal. It's two people working together to accomplish something they agree on. And the Holy Spirit and the Christian who wants to be holy, they work in partnership. For the divine nature to be manifested in this corrupt world. So the world can see little Jesuses. Christians. People who live different than they do. People who view things differently than they do. People who become like Christ in this corrupt world. So we're to add our part. What do we add? Well, there's a whole list of things. You can see I listed seven things that he goes through. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. I put those into phrases uh, and listed them with the bullet points. Moral strength to enable us to do right. Discernment to enable us to know what is right. Self-control by which we resist temptation. Endurance to bear up under persecution. A right behavior toward God. A right behavior toward man. And living the life of concern for others. Those phrases are practical explanations of that list of seven in the order of the seven things that I add. Through my energy and my investment of adding to what God does in order for the partnership of displaying the divine nature might be effective. What are the results of that? Well, verse number 8 through verse number 11 tells us what the, what the results are. The, the first result is accomplishment. I won't be barren nor unfruitful. Can you imagine getting to heaven, having been saved for 20 years, you get to heaven and you're barren? You bore no fruit. Jesus, you died on the cross for me. Here's the life that I live for you. And it's nothing? I'm barren? No. No, I will live a life of accomplishment. I will live a life whereby I have accomplished much for the one who broke his body and shed his blood in order to destroy the works of the devil and enter into a partnership whereby I could display to a Corrupt world, the nature of Christ. And I say, God, here's what I've accomplished. I won't be barren nor unfruitful. He also said in verse number 10 that I'll have assurance in my life. I love this. Whereby, wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. It's the picture of a, like, like a, a billy goat climbing up on rocks, you know. You say, how does that guy climb on all those rocks and never slip and fall? He is sure-footed. He never falls from the rock because he's sure-footed. The Bible says when I do my part and invest my energy to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit and my energy work together to display the divine nature to a corrupt world, if I live that way and I 
participate with the Holy Spirit in producing the sanctity of my life, the sanctified life that I live. If I do that, I'll, I'll have lived a life of accomplishment and I'll live a life of assurance. No one will ever convince me that I didn't get saved 50 some years ago when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. Not because I wrote the date down. Not because I remember the words of the prayer I prayed. But because my election to salvation is certain. It's sure. Because I can see the power of God in my life for 50 some years. I know I'm saved. And I'll never stumble and doubt my salvation and worry about whether I ever really got saved. These are the results of sanctified living. And then the last one in verse number 11 is the rewards we get when we get to heaven. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Your entrance into heaven is not going to be slipping in a side door where no one will know you got, you came. But when you die, you're not going to sneak into heaven and no one notice you arrived. Your entrance will be an abundant entrance. I've studied that and found that in the Greek world, in the Olympic, in the world of sports that were so prevalent in the era in which the New Testament was written, that sometimes when they had the big Olympic games over in Athens or in Greece, they would, some little old town would send their best hockey player. Are you our best hockey player? They'd send their hometown boy. He's our best hockey player in our city. They'd take their hometown boy and they'd send him off to Athens or to, to Greece to, 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 the, uh, to the Olympic Games. And the hometown boy would go and they're cheering because he's our hometown boy. And he goes and, 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 he, and he competes in the Olympic Games. And maybe he takes gold. He takes gold. Word gets back to the hometown. Did you know he got gold? He won. And the town's all excited. When's he going to get home? When's he going to arrive? When's he going to be here? And they find out when he's going to get back home. Well, it's, it's not good enough for him to just walk in the main gate of the city. I mean, this is a, this is a once in a lifetime celebration. We're not going to just bring him in the main gate. We're going to tear a hole in the wall and we're going to make a brand new entrance into our city that no one's ever passed before. We're going to have a ticker tape parade. We're going to have a brass band. And when he comes around the corner and walks down and walks through that gate, our city is going to go bonkers. This is an abundant entrance into heaven. Do you realize that how you live on earth will determine how you enter heaven. Not if you enter heaven. How you enter heaven. And the person that didn't cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the person that never took the energy and time to read and learn the Word of God, they didn't spend the time to see Christ in the Word of God, and therefore the Holy Spirit never changed them into the image of Christ day by day. And when they get to heaven, oh, yes, oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 at the end of the hallway, there's a little side door. You can go in that. You can just go on in there. You, you, you'll, you'll find the hors d'oeuvres. You'll have, so there'll be something neat over there. Just 
but someone who cooperated with the Spirit of God and lived a sanctified life. And day by day, they purified themselves because they looked forward to the day that they would be just like Jesus. And they want to be as much like Jesus now as they can possibly become. Because their goal and desire is to be holy like Jesus someday in the future. And they cooperate with the Spirit of God. And when they die and go to heaven, God is going to give an abundant entrance into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You see, how we live on earth has got a lot of fringe benefits. We will not have wasted our life. We will have accomplished eternal value. We will never doubt our salvation because we'll see God at work in our lives every day and know that I'm a child of God. And when we do get to heaven, it's going to be one amazing entrance into His presence. That is the work of of sanctifying us so that we can enjoy all that God has for us. And that's why Jesus Christ died. He died that we might be what he described in his word as being sanctified, transformed into his entrance, into his image. And so tonight, as we hold that piece of bread and as we hold that cup of the fruit of the vine, And we close our eyes and we imagine we're there. And we focus and meditate on what Jesus suffered and endured. It was not just to give me a fire insurance policy to get me into heaven. It was to accomplish the sanctification of my life. That I might have all that these passages of God's word teaches us about our sanctification.